All right, how's it going, guys? This is Graham with Dog Sports Live here today with noted Michigan man Seth Fisher of MGO Blog. Uh, despite the vast majority of UGA-related dialogue still pertaining to and lamenting the recent loss to Alabama, there is a football game being played in 10 days in Miami, and Georgia will be playing in it. So here to talk a little bit of Orange Bowl, Seth, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm all right, man. Let me tell you, after going through this with Michigan, you guys <laughs> cannot, cannot let this loss take it. We lost to Ohio State in 2018 the same way. Like we thought we were going to walk in. It was our turn. Urban Meyer was turning into Urban Meyer, as we all know and love. Uh-huh. And and then we just got creamed, right? Like everything that we hung our hats on just got absolutely ripped out from underneath us. And it took us two years of like just moping around like people getting into this season had no faith whatsoever in this team and like don't let that happen to you like we've all (laughs) we've all learned how to like take care of ourselves men like mental health wise after that loss you can't you can't let that loss beat you twice well yeah it's like it's one of those uh laws of the universe type things where you have to learn not to attach yourself to something and then no, 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 no. Give that attach thing yourself, to you, maybe. Attach yourself. <laughs> attach yourself. Here's what I did. We've got we've got a running back, Hassan Haskins. Okay, we've uh-huh. got three great running backs on this team. They all have their different skills. Haskins is the guy. If it's third and seven, and you're just like, this is just not working. Like we we go three and out here, and it's over, right? He's just he's going to get the ball and carry like four dudes, leap over another dude. And and get you the first down and get up and like you will be pumped afterwards. So I just right. I was watching film on that guy preseason this year doing our preview magazine and feeling just terrible about the team. Right. We went two and four last year and like the season before was kind of in the dumps and like it was the 2018 Ohio State game just ruled everything in our lives. <laughs> and I told you, don't let this happen to you. And I fixed myself to Hassan Haskins, and I got his jersey behind me. I don't know if you can see it, but um, uh-huh. I I was like, this is this is this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to root for this guy, and I'm going to let him carry me out of we call it the black pit of negative expectations, the B tone. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's very he, appropriate. He, and he carried me out of that, and man, has it been worthwhile? Like, just you know, I. I found my fandom again. You're like you do this all the time. You watch, you know, I'm sure you're like me, right? 25 hours a week, you're watching film during the season and like you're so deep into it. Right. Um, when it's going bad, it just takes it all out of you. And my fandom was like hurting. I was like doing it as a job for a while. And then all of a sudden, then I, then I did this and Hassan Haskins pulled me out. So here we are. <laughs> in the, in yeah. The and you're in the Big playoffs. Champions and we're in the playoffs. I can't believe it. <laughs> Right. And everyone, you know, basically uh, all the smart people, like the actual smart people, not just like talking heads on ESPN, but folks like uh, Phil Steele and people that have actually had really good track records with this stuff for a very long time. uh, Thought this was the year that, you know, Michigan was really going to kind of fully tank and that didn't happen. So, I mean, what what caused that in your in your opinion? Like, why was everyone so far off from what this team actually was going to be. So COVID last year really gave us a bad sample of everything that was going on. Aiden Hutchinson was hurt. Quiddy uh-huh. Pay was our other first round defensive end last year. He was hurt too. So Michigan, I mean, we had like a, 
a weird loss. Michigan State always does this to us. I'm sure you guys have had the same issue with Florida. Uh, Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You're a better team, and they just come and bite you anyway because they just focus their entire energy on, like, stupid luck and stuff. Um, We had one of those losses to Michigan State. And uh, and then and, and then after that, the team was like felt like everyone was hurt. So we didn't have a healthy quarterback. We didn't know who was going to be our quarterback. Uh, and then the and the season just kind of fell apart at the end because of that. It was not as bad as it looked. Two and four in a COVID season was way overstating how bad the team was. But the team was playing terribly fired the defensive coordinator and just took gamble on all these young guys. So we have a uh, new defensive coordinator is um, a kid who was like the linebackers coach, uh, Georgia. He was, uh, he was a Georgia guy for a while under Rick. Um, oh. Yeah. Mike, Mike McDonald. He was, he was a guy, he was going to Georgia and he was just like a student who was like so into the game that Rick let him come and like hang out around the team. Gotcha. And, okay. yeah. and then like he picked up stuff and, and became a coach. Um, and then went to the Ravens for a while, and John Harbaugh, you know Jim's brother, was just like, "Here, here, here's here's my really smart guy. You take him." Um, and he he brought a lot of the things that the Ravens do on defense. Uh, very big departure from Don Brown, who was one of the better defensive coordinators in college, but he was a college guy. And the I I think that getting Aiden Hutchinson back. I mean, that guy has been a star for a while, and now finally people know about it. Um, right. And then having, you know, the quarterback situation was was settled. Uh, the line got healthy again, sort of. The, the line was kind of hurt during the course of this season. Uh, and then the defensive line just grew up. Like, we had a major recruiting hole in the defensive line for a while. You guys remember us battling you for Aubrey Solomon and that whole thing? Like, Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then that guy didn't work out. He ended up at Tennessee. Like, <laughs> you know you're bad always... if you end up at Tennessee as a transfer. <laughs> That's very true. Um, yeah, no, one doubt, no, no doubt about that one. Um, yeah, and I mean, Ojabo, obviously, yeah. Uh, has yeah, he came and... along during the course of the season. Like he was, he's a Scot, you know, he's Scottish. So that guy, he was stuck in Scotland during COVID and like couldn't make it here to even practice. I didn't so, know this. Oh, yeah, wow. and so okay. he was like really raw, and we were like, our hopes for him this year were. All right, we bring him in on passing downs, and we can use his talent. But getting the hell off the field when he's, you know, when, when there's anything crazy going on, because this guy's not going to know what's going on. He's barely ever been on a football field, and the speed at which he came around to became like a good run stopper as well, and like a full time player. Um, and then obviously, I think Hutchinson demands so much attention that that creates uh, opportunities for Ojabo. Uh, linebacker is still a bit of a weakness. Uh, but the defensive tackles really came around. We had we had a couple four stars. They were young. They didn't have a very good season last year. They kind of grew up this year in their uh, in their junior season. And uh, one of them's from Georgia, uh, Hinton, Chris Hinton. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, yep. I remember him in the recruiting. Yep. Uh, cycle of years past. Yep. So you have kind of you know you and I both put together some some sort of questions and talking points here uh and I really like the way that you sort of laid this out the format I think this is going to be fun um <laughs> but let's let's get into it right because I think like Georgia people in particular I, I I don't know what the mindset with Michigan folks is going into this game like if you guys are still just so focused on oh my god we beat Ohio State that 
the fan base hasn't really like turned the clock forward to be like, okay, oh my God, now we're playing a playoff game. Cause it feels like with uh, Georgia people, there's just this lamenting over the quarterback situation. And we thought this was the time we were going to finally beat Bama. And a lot of people seem to just kind of be resigned to like this year is over. Um, but this is a really fun matchup. Great uniform matchup, first of all, like two really, uh, I think a really solid helmet matchup. Um, but, you know, you. I mean, this is just a classic matchup. Like, this is the it game is. when people yeah. ask, like, what, who do you want to play? And I'm like, I want to go to Sanford Stadium. I want to have a home and home with Georgia. Like, that oh, really is a nice. fan base that, like, I think works well with Michigan's fan base. We're both kind of like, kind of old, old metal, but mm -hmm. like, uh, you know, the, the whole Rick Carr era was like, you know, we were like mirrors of each other, right? Yeah, totally. Yeah, and, and you know, I think the fan base just worked together so well. It would, that, this is a matchup I've always wanted to see. You know, I'm scared that it's happening when you guys are, you know, number one in S&P. And, you know, Michigan, our mode right now, I've been telling people, don't don't pretend like we've been there. Don't you don't have to act like you've been there. We have not been there. We have not won a Big Ten championship since 2004, and that was a shared championship we backed into right. after uh, losing to Ohio State, and then Wisconsin lost the game at the end of the season. That was 2004. That's how long ago it's been. So like this whole era when there's been two different divisions, Michigan did not win a Big Ten championship. Now we came close, and there were a lot of times when like you know the vagaries of having two different divisions and one division is a lot stronger than the other. Like that kind of thing has been holding us back um, more than just the quality of the team really. But I mean, the quality of team was an issue for a long time. We had Rich Rodriguez. Went, oh God. Yeah. yeah. Like that was, that was bad. Um, oh, it was really bad. Yeah. yeah. And then we hired Brady Hoke, who was like, you know, walked around like, Oh, this is Michigan for God's sakes. And like, <laughs> well, um, good guy, universally, you know, universally acknowledged as a good guy. Great at San Diego State. Uh, yeah, was, was once not... again was great at San Diego State this year. Just <laughs> right, not not the guy for Michigan apparently. Yeah, not equipped to deal with Michigan. Um, and then when we got Jim Harbaugh. It was like, okay, our savior's here. Like we were clinking glasses and going Harbaugh to each other. You know, all over for for for, for way longer than it's right to. The... And we all remember him as kids, right? He was like the the star quarterback who went for like first overall. Like right. that that guy coming back and saving you afterwards. I feel like you know Stafford returns and all of a sudden turns your is like the greatest coaching legend in college, and then comes and coaches you. You know, yeah. Stafford returns after doing a bunch of great stuff in the NFL and taking right. a team to the Super Bowl and all that. Right. Yeah. Except for Harbaugh doesn't like you know doesn't have the Lions holding him down. That's a whole other topic. We we could get that into. is, yeah. Well, yeah. God. Talk about some tortured, <laughs> tortured fan base right there. We yeah. should save just a little bit end so you and I can just commiserate over our NFL teams. Yes. Um, <laughs> but but yeah, Harbaugh was supposed to fix everything and like got really close in 2016. You know, Michigan fans. I was at that game. We all knew it. Everyone else in that stadium knew Michigan won, and then all of a sudden we didn't. Um, that set us back. 2018 was a big setback. So like, finally. Finally, we're here, and we're just saying 42-27 to each other all the time. And anytime, like Ohio State fans are like, "You guys got one win in 17 years. Get over it." We're like, "Nope, nope, not gonna get over it." Nope. Yeah, no. <laughs> no, I mean, oh, if Georgia, like we all said in the lead up to the Alabama game, it's like if Georgia wins this game, uh, there's going to be a large portion of college football people that just need to log off the internet for a while because. <laughs> We're just going to be ignorant with it. And mm -hmm. quite frankly, with it, after what we've been through, uh, it feels deserved, you know, like I, yeah. I feel very justified in 
acting like an asshole if Georgia beats Alabama or just being over the top celebratory about it because it's been 15 years and, you know, all of the, the horrific endings, most of which I witnessed in person. Um, so yeah, no, totally. I, I, and that's what I love about this matchup is just that, uh, it feels like, you know, other than the fact that you guys have been like freed from the captors and Georgia is still under, uh, you know, kind of hostile occupation, right. Uh, the, <laughs> these fan bases and sort of just the, the storyline of these programs over the last couple decades very much mirror themselves, as you were saying. So why tell me, you know, give me the argument. Michigan is going to win it all because. Uh, team of destiny. You know, this is, I, I mean, Hutchinson is uh, arguably the best player in college football this year. Pro football focus certainly seems to think so. I've been watching the film and when he's not affecting the game, it's because he's because the offense specifically geared themselves to get the hell away from him. Um, I mean, Iowa shut down most of the things they do on offense and just they ran stretch and then they they did their bootlegs. And that was it. Like, I think they had nothing else that they could run because they had to stay away from Hutchinson no matter what. Um, he just changes the math. Just, you know, Georgia has some guys like that, too. Uh, more than sure. one, I think, uh, just from my scouting, of you guys, I'm sure we'll talk about that. But like. Um, offense is, uh, better than people realize, uh, have a lot more talent than I think people realize Michigan just kind of been slow, kind of creeping along in that like nine, 10 range in recruiting when everyone else is getting five stars. But then you look at the guys they got, like Roman Wilson can run with anybody on Alabama. Mm-hmm. Um, Cornelius Johnson, you know, he'll, he'll drop one a game and make one ridiculous catch a game. Uh, Andre Anthony, he's going to be a first-round pick eventually. I mean, he's a freshman right now. Um, Blake Corm and Hassan Haskins, two of the best backs in the yeah. country. And then the, the offensive line is really good, too. They, they've been played together uh, for a little bit now. Um, they're finally all healthy. That was kind of a problem during the earlier season. Uh, you got a guy like Zach Center, who is probably one of the biggest maulers in all of college football. Uh Guys that are going to be talked about next year, talked about like as they get into their, you know, senior seasons, they'll be discussed more. But they're kind of like sophomores slash juniors now. Or I don't know, COVID's messed up everybody's eligibility. But, yeah, who knows at this point, right? Yeah, right. Totally. But that's kind of where this team's at right now. Um, and it's really just about how everybody is a fraud this year, right? Like everyone went through COVID last year. Everyone's got some major holes in their roster. Nobody's got everything perfect. Even Alabama, you know, we saw them shaky all season, right? Oh yeah, for yeah. sure. So, I mean, that's the thing. We're, we're just as much a fraud as anybody else. Michigan seems to have the it factor this year. They've been in some really tight games. They played some really big teams. You know, they beat Ohio state, Ohio state's, um, up there with Georgia as far as team quality. So, I mean, if they can get past Georgia, that was the team that I was most afraid of maybe in the, in the playoffs. Interesting. And then, yeah. And then who knows, you know, that it's just, that's your defense is a whole nother problem. I don't think Michigan's got any, we don't have any answers for that really. Well, I mean, yeah, the kind of, the, you know, to, to pose that question back, you know, like why yeah. would Georgia win it all? Um, you look at a defense that gave up 6.9 points per game and then uh, all of a sudden against Alabama did things that it had not done all year uh, from a scheme standpoint. Uh, like Georgia never played quarters at any point in this entire season. And then they decided <laughs> I mean, to play quarters. 
<laughs> yeah, they just pulled it out in game 13 against uh, Bryce Young when everything on tape was very clear. Like, you go back and watch that Arkansas game. I don't know how much Arkansas you watched this year, but they play a three-man front with this drop-eight defense. And it's a little weird, and depending on who the quarterback is, it can cause some confusion or just kind of forces you to keep, you know, keep a little bit more of a conservative feel because – you're always throwing into three high safeties down the field, right? But right, yeah, Georgia that tight, that tight defense. I've, 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 I've yeah, I've, I've scouted them before. That's a defense not to get us off of track here, but like Iowa State came up with that. Yeah, Army yeah, uses totally. it. Yeah, yes. yeah. That's that's that tight defense. Are the Aztec yeah. as well? Yeah, I, I it love. Kind of changed the Big Twelve from a you know a sixty-two to fifty-nine league to a you know twenty-four to. 21 league in a couple of years because everyone yeah. took it from Campbell. Um, yeah. And so, you know, yeah. And Barry Odom threw that out on the field against, against Alabama as he did against all of their opponents this year, Arkansas's defensive coordinator and mm-hmm. Bryce Young set in the pocket and picked it apart all day. Because if you don't get pressure on Bryce Young, that's what he's going to do. Right. And you go and watch uh, the Auburn Alabama game or the uh, Alabama LSU game. And you saw, you know, bring bringing five, sometimes six, sometimes seven guys, press coverage on the outside, try to funnel those big receivers to the sidelines and really just get young off his spot, get him thrown off his back foot. Um, and if you go back and watch that Georgia Alabama game, I mean, 44% of young's dropbacks, Georgia brought five or more and he was eight of 20 for 96 yards. But when mm-hmm. they didn't bring, you know, more than four, God knows what happened, right? Like it was, mm-hmm. a, it was a massacre. So yeah, I, there's the argument to be made of uh, Georgia got a little cute or didn't want to empty the clip from a scheme standpoint and whatever you want to call it, like felt like they had a mulligan and used it. And other than, you know, five drives where Georgia got really exposed by Alabama, uh, this is a defense, right, that looked otherworldly all year. There's an incredible amount of speed at linebacker. There's, you know, great things on the on the front, and especially really at the the D tackle position. There's a a rotation there of three guys that mm-hmm. just never wear down, basically. So you know that's that's why they could win it all. Um, there's, I, I think, you know, the flip side of that is on offense. Stetson Bennett is not great, but he is a he's a okay too good college quarterback, depending on the day. Mm-hmm. And if that defense is doing its thing, he's more than good enough. Uh, there's also, you know, the the camp out there that still remains that thinks JT Daniels could see the field. Um, won't get into all of, of that <laughs> because because if we get into all that, we'll you know we'll find ourselves way off the rails, and our mentions will be filled yeah. with uh, backup people. quarterback at Georgia and backup goalie in the Red Wings. Those are the two most popular positions <laughs> in the country. <laughs> yeah, there you go for sure. Um, but yeah, why is Georgia a fraud, right? So that's mm-hmm. it's at quarterback, <laughs> and JT Daniels is on the bench. Um, this offensive line has been good at the tackle position, but the guard play has been really bad all year. And okay. uh, that has really kind of stopped Georgia from having any sort of consistent inside zone, split zone, mm-hmm. really uh, type of concepts where that's sort of been bread and butter for Georgia teams in the past is they're going to go out and get six and seven yards. Even if you have eight guys in the box, they're going to, you know, those guards are going to pull around and they're going to, they're going to create holes. So 
that, you know, is a problem and something that we've talked about a ton on our show that if it comes time to, you know, really need to hammer the ball up the middle, I don't know that they can do that, especially against a Michigan. Uh, and then the, the secondary has had injury problems all year. The, the front seven has been so good that it kind of a stopped them from ever having to, to cover anyone for more than a couple seconds. But you saw what happened when they had to cover guys like Williamson and Mechie for four or five and six seconds. They got burned. They got exposed. And that could be a problem against Michigan, right? Because you guys have yeah. a good <laughs> offensive line. Um, you know, not I don't know that Michigan has quite the athletes on the outside that Alabama does, uh, just in terms of the the masses of them. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the star rankings aren't there. Um, I mean, they're they're not – they're, they're the athletes. They're not the playmakers. Does that make sense? So, like, yeah. those guys, they're getting out there. They're getting downfield. I mean, they're recruited by the same guy. Josh Gaddis was, you know, the, right. off, was right. the receivers yeah. coach was at Alabama. At Alabama. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, he's the one who's making the direct comparisons between, like, the guys that he has here and the guys he had there. The difference is when the ball arrives, some of these guys aren't as big of playmakers. Um, Andrelli Anthony is really the biggest playmaker they have as uh, and true freshman. So, like, you know, we're going to only get so much of him. Um the big playmaker they have on at receiver actually we lost him in the first game. Uh, Ronnie Bell was right. Cal- Heisman Caleb. Like that, that was a guy who that was the dude, and that was the guy that the offense kind of built itself around. And we had a whole period in the season when Michigan was trying to refine its offense because the whole concept this year was get the ball to Ronnie Bell and let him do things. Yeah, um, just let him cook, right? Yeah. So. They had to kind of look and figure, figure out who they were uh, against Washington. They kind of realized, you know, what we are is just a smash mouth running team. So that's kind of what they've been. They put their hat on getting the, you know, moving the ball uh, on the ground, um, forcing you to get out of your fits because uh, they're, you know, Harbaugh, legendary for this, just creating gaps where you don't expect them, right? You never mm-hmm. know where someone's going to pop up, and then all of a sudden there's an F gap, and oh no, I, that, we have, we don't have any plan for that whatsoever. He'll. Uh, he, he creates those um, that that kind of confusion. Now, in a bowl game, he's had kind of a rough time in bowl games, and I think part of it is just because his offense is really hard to prepare for in a week. But if you have several weeks to prepare for it, you can kind of you know now you can practice it, now you can figure it out. It's there's just too much that he throws out there at you for any one team, college kids, to prepare for really quickly. That so I'm, yeah, um, the. Uh, I mean, you know, you know, you said it too. Like, why is my team a fraud? The the linebackers are very exploitable. Josh Ross is our senior. Uh, still very easy to mess that guy up with play action. Um, uh-huh. And then the other guy's a true freshman. Junior Colson out of Tennessee. He's going to be a good player eventually. Um, but uh, just kind of an athlete at this point out there. And, you know, true freshman. He... Uh, he's from Haiti originally. We have a bunch of these guys. Like we, Michigan gets. You guys always have those guys. Yeah. 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 I mean, Michigan's Michigan's recruiting is is dumb because like you know we play the same game everyone plays, but we're so bad at it that like we we're just out of it for certain types of recruitments. And so then, right. like Michigan's always trying to make it up in different ways. And one of the things that we have is like you know if you want to get the best possible degree without sacrificing the quality of football Michigan's kind of your best bet right for sure yeah so, so they they really recruit off of that and international students uh know the Michigan brand kind of figure out you know knew who Michigan is before they knew any other colleges just cuz Michigan's everywhere um and then 
the academic side is you know often very important to them. So that's kind of how we get those guys. We also have a bunch of guys who are like NFL kids' sons. Hinton was an example. We talked about Upshaw's another one. Mm-hmm. Um, same kind of thing. Uh, Dax Hill, his brothers in the NFL, right? Like we get those guys because you know it, it, the kind of money you could throw at players is not going to really change the math for them. So that's kind of how this team is tried to keep up with people and it's it's a, yeah. it's a weird fit but it, it works out Aiden Hutchinson his dad played in the NFL right like that those are I didn't realize like, that okay yeah his, he's um his dad was an all-american for Michigan when I was when I was like 15 so okay. Chris Hutchinson was like a star for Michigan and a fan favorite and we all loved him and and then his son is playing the same position wearing the same number so like he was you know he was a it's super like perfect yeah totally. right right but that's how we get a guy like that right like that right. that's Michigan have to kind of luck into those guys sometimes um more you know look at Iowa they have a hard, much harder time than we do uh but that's kind of been Michigan's struggle for a long time and like that's still when you got that through the roster you know the cornerback uh talent is just not there um JT Turner is the the one guy we pulled out of Georgia, you know. Uh, uh, he's the um, sorry, DJ Turner. I want to say GT, DJ Turner. <laughs> um, you know, he's like the one real athlete they have at cornerback right now, and Vincent Gray just doesn't have that speed, uh, you know, to keep up with guys. So that's a big concern. I don't think you know that's going to really bite us if we play Alabama again. It uh, has to kind of get covered up for, and Georgia's got some talented receiver too that they can uh that he can exploit yeah uh and then like we're still just a bunch of young coaches who are you know tagging along and like i know people nationally give georgia a lot of guff about their uh their schedule this year because like you know who's the best team in the sec east other than georgia kentucky like okay kentucky yeah all right right, i mean probably yeah yeah yeah, so like you played Alabama, like you know, lost to Alabama, and that's like the one game other than Clemson that people can like look at. And then you know it's kind of a northern thing to make fun of you guys for playing a bunch of you know gimme games FCS in November. Yeah, FCS team in the A team SEC right. schedule versus yeah, right, of like, course. You know, like the um, uh, the Sun Belt is kind of like the relegation SEC. Just <laughs> we'll, we'll play. Sun Belt's a good league. Come on, man. <laughs> There's some great Sunbelt action. I can highly right. encourage anyone so, to watch Sunbelt football. Coastal I, Carolina I is a I'm, good I'm, watch. I'm sharing I'm sharing the like the talk, right? No, I know. This I'm just talking. Yeah, giving but but I know, but I my point is that it's kind of wrong. Like Georgia's schedule has actually been, you know, fairly equivalent to Michigan's cuz Michigan um they had Ohio State, right? That was the big that was a big team. Yeah. Penn State, I thought, was overrated this year. When we got Wisconsin, their offense was just terrible. I mean, Graham Mertz kind of slowly pulled it together, but like right. they just did not know who they were at that point when we played them. And that was um, Northwestern was god awful this year. Indiana, by the time we faced them, was all broken. Like everyone oh, was god. injured. Yeah, to the, was, yeah. I mean, Maryland, same deal at that point. You know, right, right. Were, like if you play November kinda... Maryland, it's a very different thing than September Maryland, right? Yes, totally. Beating Texas yeah. Maryland is is, is a different <laughs> animal than what we get at the end of the year. Yeah. So yeah, and, I mean at- the Washington game was a I think a hyped matchup in the offseason and uh we don't right. know what happened there. I mean yeah. that that entire team and season was a disaster. Um yeah, so I mean like that's you know kind of looking like you guys struggled with Nebraska Rutgers was a seven point win. Rutgers and then all was of a the sudden, one. Rutgers. Yeah. If you want to look at a bad game that Michigan played, it was Rutgers. Uh, and and the things that were going on there never really 
completely got fixed. You know, you mentioned split zone is kind of an issue for you guys. Mm-hmm. Michigan wants to hang their head on split zone because what do they have? Great blocking tight ends and a mauling front, front uh, you know, offensive line. The problem is Cade McNamara is a pre-read quarterback. He's he's one of the smartest guys I've seen. You know, I'm not going to compare him to Tom Brady or Drew Brees, but he's he's sure. the thing that they're you know the best at. That's what he's best at. All right, um, kind of the pre-snap his, recognition, that, exactly. And he's really hard to like. You know, it's hard to blitz him. It's hard to get him. And he's a, he's a good player. Um, I would definitely put him above Stetson Bennett at least at this point in his career. Uh, <laughs> That's that's totally I, fair. I mean, I, it's like number three best quarterback in the Big Ten or something somewhere in there. Uh, well, that's not saying a lot. If we're yeah, I, yeah, but I mean. I, but like McNamara, he's he's smart. He reads the play before the snap. After yeah. the snap, if his read was wrong, he can get a little slowed down, and uh-huh. he's definitely not going to do any zone reading. Now, he's not like the worst runner, but he's definitely not a runner. But the bigger problem is. If you give him an absolute, you've got to keep the ball. There is nobody outside. Kind of read, he's still gonna get the ball off and just let his running back kind of run through that. And, and because, that's yeah, yeah. You can't well, run bit, zone if you can't do that, right? Right, totally. Especially against a team like Georgia with the speed that they have on exactly. the edges and even at inside linebacker as well. Um, kind of, you know, the the advice that I would have to any. Anybody that, you know, wants to run those types of concepts over the course of four quarters and is playing Georgia, that first or second one of the game, just tell him to keep it no matter what. Even if he's almost going to get decapitated in the backfield, tell him to keep it because that you've got to do something to to keep Mm -hmm. them honest. This was the problem that Georgia had under Jake Fromm. Um, Mm -hmm. They ran, you know, uh, zone read on 23% of downs in 2019 which was uh-huh. the one the one year that James <laughs> Coley was the offensive coordinator, um, which was a total disaster. And there's a reason he, you know, got canned <laughs> and Todd Mocken came in. But from, you know, would have these huge wide open lanes on the outside and just would hand the ball to DeAndre Swift into, uh, you know, two to three defenders every single time. And Swift was such a good back that he would – kind of, you know, turn that into three and four yards more often than not. But, yep. the, you know, same thing, the, same thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> exactly. totally. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's one thing that I can tell you for a fact, the staff has liked about Stetson Bennett is that, uh, you know, kind of once a half, maybe twice a half, if they're feeling frisky, he will keep that. And there's usually, a, you know, a eight to 15 yard, gain there you don't have to be a super athlete to like get those yards especially yeah but but you have to be able to keep them honest so michigan really couldn't run their split zone because they couldn't run because all you have to do is just slam in right like all you have to do Mm -hmm. is crash um and and so they they bring in jj mccarthy who's the five star uh uh and he is he is he's weird man (laughs) this guy's this guy what's going on with that i mean like what's the story he seems I mean, like this kind of toy that they take out and play with every now and then. So JJ but... McCarthy is young Jim Harbaugh. I, it's like they made an exact oh, copy of interesting. him. Okay. So he is just as weird as Jim Harbaugh, just as happy as Jim Harbaugh, just as like uh-huh. football, football, football. I love football and I'm not going to apologize for it. Football. And I mean, it's worked because of their personalities. Now, Cade, I'm sure is like, you know, keeping his eye on him, especially because they both technically have freshman eligibility because of COVID and stuff. But Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, because Cade's a, a third year player and he redshirted his freshman year. So, so last year, wow. so it's kind of like four years left. Or three right, years left. right. Yeah. So, I mean, he could technically sit back, let JJ run through for three years and then start again <laughs> if he wanted to. Um, but he's, you know, Cade is kind of, I'm sure, looking out the side, but like Cade's the starter. And then JJ is like the fun toy you can bring out. Ridiculous arm, uh, ridiculous speed. Makes makes the reads right. If you let him sit in the pocket, he's going to start running around like a crazy man. Uh, we have way too many examples of him doing that now that it's not like just turn on the Benny Hill Orchestra, you know. That's going to be him. He's going to um, try and jump over a guy or something, you know. No, no, like no, no. That, that would be going just... forward. He wants to go backwards <laughs> <laughs> and then run around everybody and yeah. then find a tight end. And like, oh, it's it. It's ridiculous. The fact that it works is the only like saving grace for it. Like he's gotten some ridiculous plays off of it, um, but I and it's probably not going to work that well against Georgia. With but they'll bring him speed. out. Yeah. yeah. But like like I said, Harbaugh likes his offense to be impossible to prepare for. So he's going to have you know a whole he has a whole package that uh, is built around um, McCarthy, and he'll come in and do something different every single game. So. As you go, it's like, okay, what what are we going to see, right? Like, you have to prepare for an entire option quarterback package in addition to all the stuff that the regular offense is doing. And, you know, Michigan will prepare, you know, a third of it, right, for the game. Right. But, like, you got you have to watch all of that film. You have to, have, you know, you have to pull it all out. Um, and it's just they're just a nightmare to prepare for, and J.J. is just part of that. He had one play in the Iowa game. It's pretty early, so if you want to find it, it's the quorum touchdown. Uh-huh. Where, I, I know what you're talking about. I was watching yeah. the game. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, you, I mean, you see the quarterback hand off and you figure that's the last I've seen of the quarterback for this play. No, he shows up during the run down the sideline. He's got his yeah. arms out. He's like, oh, I'm waving. Around. Like it was, it was like something <laughs> out of a cartoon. Right. Right. Totally. And, and that's who that guy is. He's like, uh, just, he just loves to play football. He loves to play football. And because of it, he's, it's, it, it, it creates weird situations, but <laughs> Well, we're going to have some fun with him down the line. I think this year he's just kind of the, you know, the Tebow to who was their quarterback when they won the championship? Chris Leak. Yeah, Chris Leak. He's the the Tebow to Leak, right? So he's going to come in, do some fun things a couple times. Everyone's going to get excited when he's in yeah. there. Everyone notices, right? You hear the crowd go, oh, nine. Um, yeah. And, and otherwise, it's just going to be Cade. So, totally. Yeah. So the, you know, Kind of who's the guy on Michigan? You know, I think everyone knows about the two edge guys at this point, but who's who's the player that nobody knows about that is quietly really, really good? Eric All. Okay. So, who's, so this is a this tight end uh, okay. out of Ohio. Um, my first, the first thing I ever heard about Eric All was that Michigan was about to get him. And some Ohio coaches that I know who are big Ohio State guys were livid. They were like, really? what are you – how's Ohio State not all over this guy? He was balling out at camps. Um, we originally thought he was just going to be like a, you know, a Kelsey kind of guy, like a, you know, go out there and flex out dude. Turns out he is a monster blocker. Uh, mm-hmm. he, he puts us all into it. No, me all, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was totally an accident. Uh, but he's he's a really good blocker, and they base a lot of their offense out of that. Like they run – they like split zone. They like counter tray. Right. And counter trade for mm-hmm. your listeners. You know, that's when you're running out the backside, you bring the tight end behind a, a polling guard. And then the tight end is usually like your lead blocker. Um, he blocks like a guard when he's pulling around like that. And wow. it's 
it's really hard to, to, to plan for that because the dude can also get out there and run like a receiver and he can body you and he can kind of beat you as a, um, you know, you want to put a cornerback on him, you're, you're dead. So there he creates all sorts of matchup problems because he's flipping sides all the time. Uh, you end up with him against like a light linebacker. That linebacker just goes flying and all of a sudden you got this huge gap when you thought you had this play uh, taken care of. Um and, you know, crafty as well. I'm sure you guys are going to watch this game and be like, he's holding, he's holding. <laughs> uh-huh. Of course. Yes. Because <laughs> he, yes. he, he does. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's only holding if they call it, right? Right, you know, right, right. Robin's racing. Yeah. Um, so that that's going to be uh, – that that's a guy that really kind of changes the math for them on offense. And, you know, I, I talked about Hassan Haskins, but I think people know about Hassan Haskins. Pro Football Focus had him, like, the number four running back all year. Uh, right. Blake Corum. Uh, but I think not both, totally healthy, yeah. but yeah, you people know about him. Um, and then on defense, uh, DJ Turner uh, has kind of turned into a pretty decent cornerback um, who you don't really want to test anymore, but people don't realize that and they still test him. So right. I, I think that's Eric all is really the, the guy. Nice. Yeah, yeah. For the, the Georgia side on that one, um, you know, there was all this press all year about Jordan Davis uh, mm-hmm. and, you know, kind of the, the Heisman campaign, which, you know, uh, it would have been fun to see him in New York, but he's a guy that plays, you know, 30 to 40 snaps a game. Yeah. 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 yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, the Jalen Carter is probably the best athlete on that entire defense. He's a mm-hmm. sophomore, a true sophomore, um, last year. And at times this year, they'll use him in like a jumbo package on the goal line. He caught a touchdown pass out of it, uh, against Tennessee last year. Like he is a, 300 pound guy that runs a legit, you know, four, six, four, seven, and is just (laughs) explosive. And he shoots gaps better than anybody on that defense. And, you know, there's just certain plays where he'll time, time up the snap and know what's coming and will, you know, almost take the snap really. Or if it's a handoff, he'll, it'll be like close to the, uh, kind of like clowny play against you guys in the outback right. bowl that we see a hundred times a year. Yeah, the guy um, that happened to we're friends with. Um, he's he's, <laughs> he's like a, he's like part of the site and does all sorts of events with. Oh, us. nice. I'm Vincent sorry, Smith. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, um, I mean, do you know that? Do you remember that game? Just to pull back real quick. Do you remember the play right before that game? Yeah, the 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 false the, first down. The yeah. right where they measured it and they're like first down and we're like, no, we didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the classic, pointing like, on the ground like this. Foul. Yeah, the classic <laughs> ball don't lie moment. Right, there. right. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't make Clowney angry. Man. No, no, never. But yeah. I mean, Carter will probably uh, next year. You know, he's he's got to come back for another year, which mm-hmm. is great for for Georgia. But um, he'll probably be a top ten overall pick in the in the NFL draft. Um, he's that type of athlete that just even on a defense full of studs, he's just yeah. different looking than anyone else. Um, on the offensive side, like, you know, kind of the position group that probably people don't really realize is very good is that wide receiver room is exceptionally mm-hmm. deep. I mean, they started the Georgia Tech game. I think Bennett had 12 attempts or, yeah, he started, I think, 12 of 13 with uh, hitting 11 different receivers. Like, there is talent all over it, and it's great because there's talent all over it. And really what happened was all of Georgia's projected starting receivers were hurt to start the year. And so these young guys emerged, uh, but 
there also hasn't become just like that go-to guy where it's like, this is the dude we throw to on third and seven when we right. need it. And, you know, he's the the alpha dog in that room. And, and we know that he's ready for the moment. So it's kind of worked against him in a sense as well. But uh, Lad McConkey is, a you know, 5'10", former three-star mm-hmm. wide receiver. Who, Everyone's uh, got to have some, like, little dude yeah. like that, like being Lad, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, oh, totally. And, I mean, like, he – but especially at Georgia, like the modern version of Georgia that recruits mm-hmm. at the level they recruit. Uh, he's the guy where it's just like, you know, he looks like your little brother and he does not look like he should be – an SEC football player, and then he just has the quickest feet ever, and he'll go out against, you know, against Auburn. They hit him twice for, like, 50-plus-yard touchdowns just because he will abuse people at the top of a route if you put him in one-on-one man coverage. And he was a guy that emerged just because there was no one else that was healthy enough to play. And mm-hmm. so a guy we never thought would see the field ended up coming out there. And I think, that, you know, they'll do some stuff with him in the screen game and and – he's sort of carved out enough of a role where he's going to get his 15 to 20 snaps a game. And he's just pretty electric with the ball in his hands. But I think, you know, that's not a guy you get talked about a lot. And I think that wide receiver room has probably been a bit underrated just because so much focus has been on what Stetson Bennett is and isn't. Um, Yeah. I mean, you know, this, the story on Michigan all year, kind of the, the Bill C, Mm-hmm. Uh, narrative on you guys is is what? Oh, he's saying that we make that that we need big plays to score on offense. Um, Michigan had a lot of trouble in the red zone earlier in the season. Uh-huh. I think a lot of that came back to that issue we talked about that K does not make his own reads, and right. if you don't have a quarterback in the run game, when the field gets compressed, then the safeties come down, and you don't have and you, you're playing a man down. Then right, it's mm-hmm. fine when. When, when they're back. So Michigan really has kind of lived off the big play a little bit. Um, they run a flea flicker per game. They, uh, they, they like their wheel routes, uh, which by the way, I'm hoping that they use a lot against Georgia. Like that's my, my scout on Georgia so far is just like, throw the wheel, throw the wheel. Um, Interesting. That's a, like, cause that was the, you know, the, the Florida game last year was mm-hmm. the whole wheel route thing. Um, but they've, at least in my estimation, like, because Clemson came out and tried to do a ton of it first game of the year. And it was like, all right, well, they clearly got tired of hearing about this all off season and right. they've done a decent job defending it. Um, but what, what have you seen that, that makes That's, you feel It that was way? more of a matchup uh, thing for Michigan. Gotcha. Like the okay. way that yeah, when Michigan yeah. matches up against them, uh, we need to get those linebackers the hell out of the inside. Right. Yes. Cause, yes. Cause that is, I mean, I, people are not, like you mentioned, people are talking about you know the, the defensive tackle and Jordan Davis. Like the the linebacker speed is that's that's yeah. that's what breaks the game. It is yeah because like if you have you know we we've played other teams that have a big defensive tackle who's just going to murder you inside. What do you do? You run outside until he can't breathe anymore, right? Right. But if you try to run outside on these guys, like you know we had this joke with Devin Bush, who I think is a very similar kind of player. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, oh, you tried to edge De- Devin Bush. How did it work out for you, right? Yeah. And we have that to a degree. <laughs> and we do that with uh, with Dax Hill, too, because the way Michigan plays is um, they're going to have him kind of pinching in so that uh, that overhang guy is not going to necessarily be right on top of the slot, right? He's going to come inside a lad. I'm sure they're going to tr- 
look at that and they're going to try to throw the bubble, right? And you see that. Right. It, it looks like easy yards. And, I mean, Dax is just a master at tempting you to do that and then just, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> just, just kidding. Yeah. Um, the, and, you know, I, I'm sure George has seen that in the SEC because they, they, they do that all over the SEC. But, yeah, for me, I think that was more of a matchup thing. Uh, uh-huh. It's because... Uh, you know, if you can pull those linebackers out of there, then Michigan, I think, is going to have an advantage as far as dealing with the edges uh, and their tight ends, right? Like, as long as they can get that block going. But that's not going to get you anywhere if the linebackers can just get there at the same time, right? If the linebackers can just get from the backside over there. We're not really a big RPO team. Like I said, K doesn't do a whole lot of post-snap reading. He's pre-snap reading. So, big play. I mean, Bill C says we're a big play team, and I think that's pretty fair. Uh, you know. I'm going to try the things at Alabama that I'm sure. Like if you want to come out in quarters, oh, yeah. we'll, we'll, oh, yeah. oh, God. We'll do <laughs> Jesus, no, please, for the love of God. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean, Georgia, it's an interesting deal, right? Because the narrative all year, um, you know, we, we were talking uh, last night when we were exchanging notes, and then obviously earlier in this broadcast, like everyone's frauds this year. But right. for a while, it felt like everyone was frauds. Except but Georgia. Georgia. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and I mean, yeah. really, like, they're, if you look at kind of the last few years of college football, like 2019 LSU's offense was a truly elite, historically mm-hmm. good u- unit. Same with 2020 Alabama's offense. And then it, it really looked like for a while, 2021 Georgia's defense was that kind of the only truly elite unit in college football in the sense of like, this is just different and head and shoulders above everyone else. And then, you know, they came out in quarters. Right. But um, yeah, like the, I think looking at kind of the success rate stuff with Georgia, like going into that Alabama game, Georgia's offense was number one in the country in success rate. And Mm -hmm. a lot of that is because just they weren't overly explosive in any way. I mean, they got more explosive as the year went on, but they were just really good and always being in like third and three, if they were in the third down. Right. right. And um, the knock on Stetson Bennett with everybody has been his third and, you know, his third and five kind of plus passing numbers are bad. And Georgia's success rate on third downs when passing has been pretty low. I think it's like, you know, in the low 30%. Well, I got bad news for you. Michigan is brutal to face on third down, especially third down and run. Yeah. Um, it's Michigan has, uh, you know, Aiden Hutchinson changes the right. math, right? Ojabo, well, if they can pin their yeah. ears back. They, yeah, but but even when they don't pin their ears back, um, they're they're just they're very good at setting you up. So you think that like, okay, I've got to double team this guy, right? And right. so now your your tight end, your your running back, staying in, and then Hutchinson will drop out, um, and they. Because so many teams run the same plays on third and three, right? Like they bring out yeah. their mesh play, right? Oh, of course. Um, Michigan just has like just multiple mesh killers. They'll mm-hmm. just, I mean, they'll they'll put you into a trap. The other thing they'll do is they'll show you a, a formation where nobody's in any uh, in, in either of the a gaps. So oh, they're they're split out. They're and they're both off of uh, off the guard shoulders or even inside the tackle shoulders, and then they'll put like one little linebacker in there, like a, you know, like a hybrid space player dude. Like, hey, yeah, I'm yeah. 200 pounds, come get me, and you're like, okay, dare you to check do it. to a run, yeah, check to a run. Both safeties come down from deep and they're blasting right into there. And I mean, they McDonald comes from the NFL where you have to 
outsmart guys to win because everyone's right. got the talent, right? And if you look at the Ravens over the last few years, they would kill it against young quarterbacks. And then when they face like a Drew Brees, they would just get slaughtered yep. because that guy is a pro and that guy is going to yep. like, he's seen everything, right? Like Tom Brady against that. I think they played Tom Brady once and he killed them. But like they, they used to face Brees all the time and he would get them every single game. And then, you know, the Chiefs got them a couple times too because, you know, that's, that's the kind of quarterback play they have. You bring that to college and you start throwing those looks at college quarterbacks and like Michigan should have way more interceptions that they have. They have dropped mm-hmm. so many interceptions this year. The linebackers have clanged off their helmets, off their hands. We have a running gag about Brad Hawkins. Oh, he'll get one eventually, which we've said probably 40 times now in his career. Right. Um, like they drop so many interceptions. Uh, RJ Moten, God, there's like two that every Michigan fan is like, yeah, one of them in the Michigan State game, one in the Ohio State game. Uh, and then they're set up by the defense. They're set up because the, they give you a look. You think you know what you've got. And all of a sudden, you really don't have that. The safety is in a completely different place because the linebacker is in a completely different place because the defensive end dropped out and the defensive tackle dropped out. And then you got a blitz off the other edge. It's it's They are really good at game planning that third down and kick you off the field kind of thing. Yeah. No, I mean, that it, it just watching tape of them – uh, the third down looks are always different. Uh, you know, I mean, not, not necessarily the result is always different, but there's, yeah, <laughs> there's little kind of subtle nuances that are just enough to make you think. Um, and they do like to use those, those rat hole guys, like you're talking mm-hmm. about where, you know, uh, the, the quarterback's going to read this as a blitz. And all of a sudden that guy is dropped back and he's standing in the passing lane. And, uh, that's, that's scary with a five ten quarterback, right? Uh, like Georgia has that doesn't really see lanes that great anyways yeah. um, so it, it's it's definitely Todd Mockin is another NFL guy and like he's definitely mm-hmm. brought a lot more creativity and modernity to Georgia's offense but at the same time um, there's you know there's only so many things you can call and there's only so many times that you can call them in a game and I think that uh, a lot of this game will you know like any good college football game is going to come mm-hmm. down to who can convert on third down because that's I mean, you know, Georgia's defense as well. Great. There's going to be third situations. downs. They yeah, there's going to be a lot of third yeah. downs. And yeah. I think um, this could be, a, you know, kind of an old school uh, SEC slash Big Ten style matchup where there's portions of this game where it's just kind of a field position battle for mm-hmm. a quarter or so. And, uh, it, you know, this is I feels to me like type of game where one turnover could – could really just kind of break the game state for, for either team, you know, Um, and, and change things a lot. So it's, it's kind of a a fun game just in the sense of, I think every play is going to feel very, very big. Um, And I think there might be times in this game where it kind of feels like the offense uh, is job is maybe like, yes, it's to score, but more so than (laughs) that, it's just to not screw anything up. Right. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it it'll be fascinating to watch. So, kind of, I want to talk to you a little bit about like the the cultural matchup here, um, and sort of the you know the fan bases, right? Like, <laughs> give me an idea, you know, um, kind of what's the like? There's the Michigan man stereotype. Oh on, God, I, on, we, we on tried Twitter. to re- we tried to retire that whole thing, but like, I know, I know Jim I know. Harbaugh is impossible to do that. But like, right, totally. We, but like, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Michigan arrogance like has been 
you know, that, that's just been part of our, our, our makeup. Right. right. Um, Michigan is a Michigan wants to imagine themselves to be the good guys. They're like, we're the, you know, we have the best education. So then everything has to be sure. about education. Sure. You know, we, we, we can't pay players enough. So then we like start making it bad that you pay players. Like it's, it's BS. Uh, yeah. Just as this put it out there, that it's it's BS. I'm sure everybody else's things about themselves are BS too. But like, we like to imagine it. And then there is because it's the stereotype, and it's because of the thing that we all talk about. It becomes true to a degree. They really do go out and get players who are more interested in the degree. Because if you're not, you go to Ohio State, right? And they, right. so the, the the thing that they offer these guys, they they end up with like those kinds of players. And the fan base kind of feeds off of that. Uh, but, like, the arrogance is definitely there. Um, Georgia fans, I know, are known for being arrogant, too. Michigan fans, like, we like to be clever. You know, like, one of the jokes is, like, oh, no, now that we've beaten Ohio State, are, we're allowed to make jokes again. You're, go- you're, you're goners. <laughs> like the, I, I'm not the funniest, but, like, you know, we've got Jane Coaston out there. Like, we've, oh, yeah, we've yeah, got yeah. some heavy he hitters. Some um, and, sure. you know, Michigan. Michigan fans are legion. They want to talk history with you. So, like, if you know, if you're sitting at the bar in Miami this week and somebody is talking about, you know, the Eastern Front of World War II, probably a Michigan fan. Um, that's that's our that's our thing. <laughs> no, I mean we we have a lot of that in our DNA as well. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's the the average Georgia fan that I know in real life, and the the Georgia fan experience on like twitter.com or message boards are two very, very different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, Georgia is like in a state where, you know, especially now after like 30 years of Georgia tech being really kind of inept and bad at college mm-hmm. football. Um, a lot, there's a lot of people that, you know, have never went to school at Georgia or whatever that are Georgia fans, which is great. Like it's a, it's part of the brand and it it helps in recruiting and it, you know, that those people spend money on merchandise and they come and buy tickets and, you know, they do lots of good things for the university. Um, But, you know, there's kind of the, like there's the stereotype about Georgia fans, right. Where it's like, you know, they're out like barking at, children and you know mm-hmm. um there's the famous reddit post from years ago from like a alleged auburn fan that said he was like spit on by everyone that he walked past walking into the stadium like i've been going to georgia games since i was seven years old when they were really really bad with Ragoff and jim donnan and you know right. uh like i've never seen that you know i mean like like every sec environment has some hostility i mean i wrong, i've like, been there I, I went to a game. So my, oh, my best, okay. Yeah. So my, my best friend married a girl from uh, who, who was like a huge Georgia fan. So they're, nice, yeah. they have season tickets. They go there. They had their wedding in Athens. Nice, so I got okay. to like to see the entire tour and we got to like see everything. So it was like gotcha. basically like a Georgia themed wedding. Um, and then we went back and, and, and went to a game. It was uh, Tennessee 2012. If you remember that one. Uh yes, I do. Yeah, beautiful, that. beautiful day. Uh, in September, I had to like fly home right after the game because my nephew was born. So I had to like get, I had to like sure. zoom back back to Michigan. Uh, our plan was to see a Braves game too, and then we never got to get to see this. I still haven't got to see the Braves stadium. Anyway, um, I loved it. I mean, it was the big the Big Ten. Keep, keep in mind, we were universities for you know a generation before we had any football programs. Right. So all the athletic facilities are kind of off to the side, right? 
Uh-huh. It's like you, you build the university and the university is this Greek classist, classy, you know, thing that they built in the in, in, a, in a time when they still had to use expensive building materials because they didn't have any other options. Sure. So they're gorgeous campuses, but then you have to walk a ways down the road and go through the student downtown to get to the stadium. And gotcha. what I found amazing about Georgia is like, first of all, you go under those arches and then you're on campus, right? And like everyone's mm-hmm. wearing red. Everyone's wearing college shirts. I've never seen college shirts. You know, we're sweats. We, we, we wear sweatpants to football games. Like getting right. fans yeah. to like even dress in the same color for, for one game is like impossible because like I've been wearing this sweatshirt for 40 years, you know? Totally. To- yeah. Of course. Yeah, um, classic. Yeah. So, so like that, that atmosphere was really cool. And then like the feels like the whole thing. And I mean, I know I'm wrong about this, but it feels like the whole thing spirals in. There's some the, truth to that. To the stadium yeah, yeah. is like the eye of the storm. And it's just like, it, it is so cool. It's, it's kind like, of the low point. Football. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the low point on campus, uh, you know, and, and you're right. Like, there's there's a hill on either side, and it, it does mm-hmm. filter down. Um, yeah, and, I mean, it's interesting, too. Just uh, Georgia is the oldest public university in the country. They got their charter in uh, 1785, and uh, there's some argument between UNC and UGA, like, who opened their <laughs> their their doors first and all that. Wait, wait, um, UNC falsified academic documents? No, I never. Yeah, there you go, man. <laughs> Been doing that shit for 250 years. You believe it? Um, but yeah, it's like Sanford Stadium was built in 1921. And I mean, mm-hmm. it's not obviously, you know, it's, it's, it's expanded and changed, but yeah, that site has been there for a hundred years now. Right. Um, or maybe even a little longer, I might be wrong on the 1921, but it's, it's been a long, long time. Um, and it, it makes it all feel kind of, uh, like you're saying, like, it's just Mm -hmm. part of everything. And that's a very appropriate kind of analogy for, for football in the South and all of that. And yeah, there's all the, the adages about religion and college football and, and all of that good stuff. But, the reality is just that, uh, you know, at, at Georgia, even when they were bad, you know, mm-hmm. um, the it, it's always it was always a, a social event. It's always a place where business things happen. And, you know, people, because maybe those business things are happening, they are willing to put on khakis and collar shirts and, and dress up a little bit and look nice. And, um, and the reality of it, too, is also just that. Uh, the South is made up of a lot of small towns, right? Mm-hmm. And so everywhere you go, you know, I mean, on Saturdays, Athens, you know, Sanford Stadium itself becomes, a, you know, I think like the sixth biggest city in the state of Georgia. There's the Atlanta metropolitan area right. that has its own culture. And then there is the culture of the rest of the state of Georgia where uh, everyone kind of knows everyone, right? And so mm-hmm. you might be two and a half hours or four and a half hours from home, but you also might bump into your kid's school teacher, you know, whoever it is, or, you know, your, your next door neighbor. So, um, much, you know, the South is, is always been a little bit about, uh, you know, putting on good faces, even, even when things aren't, aren't maybe good behind closed doors. And I think that kind of translates a little bit to the, the game day experience, but in a charming way. Um, but yeah, I mean, Athens is great. The, The downtown is phenomenal. Like, uh, just, you know, when I was there, it was, I think, like the number one party school, two out of the four years and all that. But yeah, what's interesting, the feel of it, I, that's, yeah, that's what yeah. really got to me is that like, it feels like you're in the middle of college football. Like, you, you know, I, yeah, like 
like I could people if you if you think that college football is a negative, then that's then then like oh you guys pay attention to college football too much. If you like love college football as much as I do, that like right. and going down there, that was just like you know it, it it's like going a kid in the toy store, right? It's like oh my god, this whole thing is geared for this. This is awesome. Right, then it was a football Saturday, but like it was. It was. It's just a really cool feeling down there. I thought that just like that atmosphere. Um, I I don't think fan bases are all that different. Like the the thing you talked about with like Georgia picking up more fans who are not um you know not alumni or not associated with the university. It's everywhere, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Michigan State has a phrase they use. Uh, they call them Walmart Wolverines, right? So they they call our fans who are not because what they're really noticing, what they're commenting on, is the fact that if you are from the state of Michigan. And you have a choice, right? If you're not affiliated with one of these schools, <laughs> you're right? picking Michigan. Right? You're, yeah. So, like, if you're a fan who didn't go to either school, and you're just, you know, you're just a factory worker working in the auto industry or something like that, right? And you got to choose which one you're going to be a fan of. You know, Michigan State is kind of like miserable. It's out there. It's far. It's 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 a longer drive. It's a crappy stadium. Like, you know, all their fans are kind of angry all the time and just obsessed yeah. with Michigan. Like, and then Michigan is just like, yeah, we're the winningest team ever, right? Like, right, you know, totally. Um, yeah, and, and Michigan, you know, and Detroit is right next is is close to Ann Arbor, so Ann Arbor is a little bit of a satellite. You know, it's it's one county over, but it's still Metro Detroit is this big thing, like just like Atlanta, right? And then like. The next thing over is, is Ann Arbor. Um, but yeah, it's that. Uh, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. It, it, Michigan, I, I think all the fan bases are kind of similar, right? Like there's yeah. there's some tension between like fan alumni who are like the pretentious people who, you know, and, and then the people who are not alumni who are, you know, just fans of the team. Like they would, like you're not going to be a Lions fan if you live in Michigan. Like that's not rewarding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, one hundred percent. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so, but, but I don't. I try to play that tension down because, like, some of the biggest Michigan fans that I've dealt with, like the people who like keep every copy of every single game going back to the eighteen hundreds, uh, those like that guy is not a Michigan fan, right? Like, or, or it's not. Sorry, not a Michigan grad. Um, uh huh. So I think it, it's it's bunk. But like every fan base is just a, a lot so many people there's no way to kind of really have something that's you uh we are i, I didn't want to get into this at all but like you know we're dealing with the whole bo schembechler fallout thing right now too so oh, yeah of course this season right. did I, we don't need to talk about it but like this season did kind of wipe or at least put that to the side kind of like how penn state's you know nice seasons under uh bill o'brien and franklin it kind of like put their right. thing aside and gave us something to talk about instead of that so yeah <laughs> for sure um so I guess I'm curious, like, you know, we've said a lot of nice things about each other's fan bases and teams here, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're outside of the Georgia sphere. Sometimes when you're inside of it, you don't have the highest level of self-awareness. So why do, why does everyone already hate our team? Well, Michigan fans hate Georgia because Kirby Smart hates Harbaugh. And... Like goes out of his way to screw us. Like we've got like a hybrid space player. He's like the best player in our class in 2018, about to, coming into uh-huh. signing day, and he's like car in a house done. And then he doesn't even use him, right? Or like who is I, this it, player? Re- oh, remind God, me. I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now because you guys didn't even use him. He was a high. He was like a 200 pound linebacker um, okay. out of Georgia. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
And or uh, Isaiah Wilson was like, you know, Michigan picked the day yeah. that he was going to sign, and then like his friends get a text saying money talks. Like, Aah! and like you don't need to do this, Scurvy. You have so much talent down there. You are like Michigan wants to have their satellite camps down there to like you know discover right. some three star talent. Like they get maybe like two guys out of that whole thing, but like you know, Kirby Kirby calls Smart it out. Is, like, yeah, he's just like I. You can't come down here and take my players. Only I can come take. You know, it, so you know. I'm sure Harbaugh was trying to like upset the balance, and Kirby was just like, "No, you can't upset the balance. We got a great thing going here. I'm going to turn right. this into." Um, and so that is like the one thing that Michigan fans know about Georgia is it's a, like Kirby Smart is like you know, they have they have nasty things to say about him. Uh, until then. We really didn't like that was like a, the team that I think a lot of Michigan fans liked in the in the, in the South. Uh-huh. Uh, Rick seemed like a pretty stand up guy, kind of like seemed like a Lloyd Carr analog to us. Um, you weren't Alabama, which we kind of associated as like the Ohio State down there. Yeah. Uh, and you played we, Florida like every year for a while there. Right, right, right. Yeah, we we, we both hate Florida. We're both yeah, we're, totally. we're both Florida's big enemies. Well, and also we have a thing with Tennessee that nobody knows about, and you guys like really, yeah, oh, yeah, because of the Heisman with Manning yeah, they're still mad Woodson. that the black guy won a Heisman. <laughs> hey, so I I was young in 1998, but. I was, I was, uh, I remember being full team Charles Woodson and that's Uh actually like, that kind of started my affinity a little bit for Mm -hmm. Michigan. Um, Yeah. I mean, like growing up down here in Michigan, uh, you know, it's like, you've got the the helmets and those Mm -hmm. are super cool looking and there's definitely like a, a mystique around it and all of that stuff. Um, I do think kind of, you know, the, from the outside looking in, there is a little bit of a piousness that, uh, you know, can get a bit tiresome for mm-hmm. sure. With oh, like, sure. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, cause let's be honest, right? Like I know that you guys aren't recruiting at like an Ohio state or Georgia level, but, but we're, we all find it hard <laughs> to believe right. that you're signing top 10 classes and you've right. got a, you know, a national title worthy blue chip ratio and all that uh-huh. good stuff. Unless a little bit of handshakes or something's getting passed around you know someone's getting taken care of somewhere down the line um i mean especially now that it's legal like you know oh hey somehow tom brady like has a direct connection to all these guys i wonder how long that's been going on right totally yeah Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. i wonder how he just got their phone numbers right yeah Um, (laughs) no and i mean i I think and and one thing that was interesting was the uh you know i I do think just kind of in general the the whole COVID year thing and the way that that played out with the big 10 canceling football and, mm-hmm. and all of that, um, you know, I, I don't want to relitigate what was the right or wrong decisions on all of that, but there was definitely, I think, you know, kind of a, a schism that happened there a little bit between uh, SEC folks and big 10 folks and, and, you know, count them all up, but like right. there was definitely a, a feeling there, I think at times of where, you know, the SEC folks were pointing fingers at the Big Ten of like, you guys are, you know, depriving us unnecessarily of a football season. And Big Ten folks were pointing at the SEC being like, you guys are needlessly putting people in danger. And just like a lot of, uh, right. I think, you know, there was this kind of just very specific conversation around a football season that should have been happening. And it turned into a lot of like blanket statements about, um, you know, who, who and, cares and about when, it's, what and when there's an opportunity to be pious, Michigan fans do not miss do not miss it. I I yes, am well aware. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, no, totally. I, yeah. And 
And you know, that that conversation was it's it, that that conversation was being had in the, like all the wrong places. Like fans were not determining that, right? Like the school presidents right. were trying to figure that out, and they yeah, were trying absolutely. to figure out like budget issues that we didn't care about at all. And they were also trying to figure out um, safety issues that nobody knew the answers to. Like yeah. the only the only team the only thing I said that whole time about any SEC team was LSU. Because their idea was to give their whole players COVID. They're just like, let's expose everybody. Like, we probably don't know enough about this disease to know if that's a good idea, right? Like, you no, might give some sure. of these guys long COVID, and that could be that could be really dangerous. Um, totally. But like, yeah, man. I, and in a in a vacuum of knowledge, uh, it you know it's going to get filled with, and then people are much better at kind of coming to saying that they think they know what the answer is than. Um, realizing that there's a lot, a lot of not information out there and a lot of things we don't know. And then yeah. understanding that people are trying to react to unknowns and trying to guess based off of things. And I, 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 I'm glad I was not a college administrator going through that. Cause. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> glad I wasn't Kevin Warren. Yeah. That much. Um, so before we kind of wrap up here, um, what, you know, what do you think? What do you like? I don't want to ask you for a prediction or anything like that mm -hmm. yet, but kind of give me an idea. Like what, what does Michigan need to do to win this game? Uh, they got to hit their big plays. Um, I think yeah. that probably the best, uh, their best chance of winning is to get, uh, take advantage of some of the cornerbacks um, where, you know, I, I know that you're not going to just go and change your defense up entirely for this, but I think that Michigan's been living off of the fact that they can move guys up front and that's going to be pretty difficult with Georgia's mm -hmm. front. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, who was the third defensive tackle. Like you guys, oh Devontae White, Devontae, yeah. Like he's yeah. he's he's bonkers he's as a well, monster, dude. Yeah. yeah, he may so, be the, like the best one of them all. Truth, <laughs> um, it's, it's yeah. So like I I I don't know who to scout. Like I don't know how to, who to say is the best because like they're all so darn good. Um, and and that that front plus those linebackers just makes it so hard for Michigan to do what they want to do, which means they're not going to get you unbalanced the way they they, they want you to which means Michigan's going to have to win some straight-up battles. McNamara's going to have to be on target. Uh, early in the season, he um, he made a lot of his long throws. There was a period where he was not that accurate. It's been kind of 50-50 since then. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, hopefully that happens. And then Michigan's just on defense. They just got to play amped. Um, I think Georgia... If they take advantage of, I think it was one of the questions we asked, we were going to ask each other. It's just like, what's the? I know you. I know you've watched the scouting report. If you do this on the first offensive play, and like, yeah, yeah, and, and like for us, it's definitely play action and throw the ball against the linebackers. Like if you throw the ball over the over Josh Ross's head, um, Michigan doesn't really have a good answer for that. Their safeties, other than Dax Hill, don't have that super speed, and uh, the linebackers are, you know, look, they'll get out of their lanes. And Michigan's going to want to try to get five guys up front if they can. So you're going to have those opportunities there. Um, and then, I mean, get to Stetson Bennett, create some turnovers. That's going to Michigan's going to slow the game down, right? They're going to start speed. They're going to they're going to try to go on long drives or try to eat some clock up. They're going to they know that they're not the better team if they if you keep on playing this game, right? Like the more times you throw the ball, more th things happen. They're just not going to be able to get the ball moving against that defense. They're going to want to hit their big plays and they're going to want to have some big turnovers or big stops. Um, 
and kick you off the field a few times. And I, I think Michigan kind of rolls. So they get more emotional, the better they're doing. Um, mm-hmm. They, uh, they come out of half really half out of halftime, really strong. So, you know, if Michigan doesn't get down by 14 points early, uh, then I think that they're going to be in it. If Georgia puts up, you know, Georgia has a couple clever things they do early, and that defense just shutting us down, it's gonna it's gonna be bad. Yeah, I mean, I, I see, like, for Georgia, I think there's. We were talking about this last night. Like, it's it's really impossible to predict what the mental state of is of right. everyone coming into this <laughs> right. game. So it's not worth our time trying to do so. But uh, you know the. And I probably just feel this way because the general Georgia fan psyche right now is like so negative and defeatist. Um, but I mean, I know those players are are eager to go and try and win a national championship. Well, you get another shot all year. Yeah, you get another. Yeah, we shot, didn't get another right? shot at Ohio State after that in twenty eighteen. Right? Like, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. Like, so I mean, to have another shot at them in the national championship, provided they beat Cincinnati. Um, I mean, if if Bama loses to Cincinnati. Look out! We're going to be making fun of the SEC because we don't get a lot of opportunities to do that. <laughs> hey, if you are making but... fun of the SEC while Georgia's holding the trophy, please go <laughs> right. No one, no one on our side will care at all. Um, I mean, we. Oh, I made the joke last year when uh, when when Alabama lost. I'm like, oh, so this is um, this this is what it's like being an SEC fan, just rooting against Alabama after your team game your your game is done. <laughs> I mean, there's some truth to that for sure. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I, I think for Georgia in this game, um, they need to kind of streamline the offense. Like, they've put enough on tape over the course of the year where they're going to make Michigan prepare for tons of different guys and, you know, lots mm-hmm. of personnel looks, and that's all fine and good. But, you know, in the – they Brock Bowers was a monster all year, the, the true freshman tight end. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think he, like – led the country in, in yards and touchdowns for a tight end or, you know, close to it. But yeah, to get that out of a true freshman is incredible. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he had 10 receptions on 15 targets against Alabama and just like, you know, was taking screen passes and shrugging off three defenders and running in the zone. Like he was doing some incredible things. So I think that's a, a big danger point for Michigan because, you know, as you mm-hmm. identified, and, and there's definitely some times on tape where like those linebackers aren't the greatest in coverage. And Todd Monken has been really good at doing things to force you to have to cover him with a linebacker. And mm-hmm. when that happens, it's often a big play. And he's a guy that can actually take a slant pattern and go 70 yards with it and outrun everyone in the secondary. Um, so that is a, a matchup that Georgia has to take advantage of, in my opinion. Um, I think that the biggest thing for them in this game is to not press. Uh, when they got down 14 to Alabama, they started playing like they were down 14 with five minutes to go instead of down 14 with 12 mm-hmm. minutes left in the third quarter. And it became, you know, the offense got very, very predictable. They stopped running the ball, even though they had been doing that pretty well at times in the game. And it just, you know, kind of, you could feel a, an interception coming, you know, it's just, it all became all too predictable. And then, eventually you had a pick six, right? So right. that's, you know, if, if Georgia gets down seven or 10 to Michigan, uh, they they need to trust that defense and realize like Michigan is not a team that is just going to go out and score, you know, five out of six possessions in the second half 
uh, on this on this defense. I don't think they are. I could be mm-hmm. wrong if it happens, and you know, I'll eat my crow. But I would be. Very I, surprised. I don't think we're going to ex- extended drives, right? Like I think yeah. we're expecting if Michigan scores, they're going to hit some big plays. Yeah, and and even Georgia's, Alabama had to. Oh yeah, totally. And I mean, Georgia has been really, really like. There's been times like against Tennessee and, uh, you know, even against Clemson, there was a couple chunk plays. But like there's been times this year where they will give up a uh, 50 yard pass on a drive, but then you got to play them in the red zone and they're hell to play in the red zone. And so, you know, I think that's a big key for Georgia because there's going to be, you know, you guys are going to get behind that secondary at certain points and things are going to happen. But I think the big thing for Georgia is to, make sure that guy gets tackled on the 15 yard line instead of, instead of being able to take it all the way. Cause I think that you will, you like your odds in that situation. If you're Georgia to, to try and hold them to a field goal or try to force them into a fourth down kind of situation. Unfortunately, Michigan's the kind of team that likes to try to make sure they catch, they catch that ball instead of like trying to catch and run with it. Like we've seen a lot of guys, uh, you know, okay, better to get the ball at the 10 than it is to uh, sure yeah. try to like, you know, make the, make the big play. But, I mean, that's been an issue with Michigan because they'll do that. They'll get to the 10 yard line and they falter in the red zone. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think that for Georgia on offense, um, you've got all these weapons at wide receiver. George Pickens should actually, I mean, he played 12 snaps against Bama and had four receptions. Uh, <laughs> and now, you know, I expect him to be, a, you know, on the field the majority of their offensive snaps against Michigan. He'll have had another month to get healthy from that ACL tear. But yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's definitely something that uh, I don't care who's playing back there. Like you put him in a 50, 50 ball situation and your odds are usually better than 50, 50 and uh, you can kind of float it up there. So they need to take advantage of that. But I mean, I think the big thing for Georgia is just, doing enough in the run game. Like I don't expect them to uh, gash Michigan up the middle. Like we were talking about the card play just hasn't been good enough, but I do expect them to be able to do some things on the edges because they've been very, very good on the edges this year. And I know that Hutchinson and all those guys are very good edge defenders, but Georgia's tackles have, have been good. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that like that, that, matchup there will definitely be some plays where Michigan is able to to hit them for two yard losses or to stop them but I think that there's enough moments where Georgia should be able to get 12 yards or eight yards on yeah I, I'll caution you that like you know Tristan Wirfs made a comment recently when uh when they were doing the Heisman thing he was just like uh-huh. yeah I'm glad I'm in the NFL because that guy scares me and like he went against Hayden Hutchinson when Hutchinson was a sophomore and this is Wirfs who's just been dominating yeah. the NFL so there's you can have a really good offensive tackle. It doesn't uh-huh. matter against that guy. Now, oh, I mean, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, but I don't I don't think that that's where you hit Michigan. On no, the edge. no, I, I think, don't think they will. Yeah, I think it's Hutchins more like screens and stuff like that because because Hutchins is coming okay. up field, right? Screens have been yeah. our problem all year. Uh, it goes back to the linebackers and coverage. Really, like both linebackers who start are B plus to A minus blitzers and right. C or D at everything else. Well, and I mean, when I'm talking about the edges too, I'm talking kind of, you know, like James Cook. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not, but he's a he's Dalvin Cook's little brother. Okay, he's a, he's a stud and great. You know, we had yeah. trouble with that guy in the bowl game once. <laughs> yeah, he's a guy that can, you know, have 12 carries for 135 yards and two touchdowns, and you know, four receptions for 
85 yards and a touchdown in the same game like that, you know, that was pretty much his stat line against Tennessee. Um, they will use him on little swing passes and stuff like that. And so like, I think that's where, yeah. you know, they and have a chance. That's what I'm saying. Pat pass around Hutchinson and Ojabo and, you know, Dex Hill is going to be playing a little bit on the edge out there. Uh, Cause that's how he, you know, he wants to mess with you there. Uh-huh. Um, but you know, that's, he, that, that's beatable. And then the other side, you know, you got a safety coming down. Like you have to, the linebackers have to get out there. Yeah. I, I would think it's more across the middle. Um, yeah. You know, okay. like Interesting. that tight yeah. end, you know, Kate, well, they've got two the guys that too, Washington has. So, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, that's, and, and even Iowa was hurting us with their tight ends. You know, I think tight ends were probably did, like yeah. 90% of their yards. So, damn. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's, I mean, Georgia's, you know, they're well personnel to, to take mm-hmm. advantage of that in that case. But yeah, I, I think for them as well, it's, it's gotta be, um, you know, like if Stetson Bennett is starting, which at this point in time, I expect him to, uh, when, when there's something that breaks down and there's a chance to run for six yards mm-hmm. on first and 10, he needs to do it instead of trying to hit a 35 yard ball down the field into a throw that maybe he's, you know, capable of making but isn't always gonna make um, right you know I, I think that like georgia just needs to take easy yardage when it's there and and stay out of kind of just trying to push too hard for that big play and and because you know i think that if they do that enough that team speed at some point you're gonna break a big play if you're willing to you know uh, yeah. take, take little slants and stuff like that. Somebody's going to break a tackle at some point and you'll, and you'll get your, your big. I mean, I think that those receivers, because you have to respect them so much, there's probably going to be a lot of space for Georgia in, in the, uh, the hitch game. Yeah. Because exactly. like Michigan runs like a lot of that cover three. So who's, who's covering that, that quick little hitch that that curl flat player who's got to mm-hmm. come down through the seam, especially if you've right. got some, some deathly tight ends. Like, so he's going to be in the seam at the point where your receiver is stopping you know, you cover three corners. They're not – I mean, Turner can come down a little bit because he's got some speed to, to make it up for, but Gray can't. So – Interesting. You're – there. That that's a spot where I kind of thought that uh, George is probably going to be able to make some plays, especially if that guy can break a tackle afterwards. Yeah. Um, because Michigan's left that that open all year. Uh, you know, they'll they'll bait you once in a while. They'll throw, a, a, throw, throw someone in there to, like, you know, maybe bait an interception. Uh, by by giving that to you twice, and then all of a sudden, you know, there's safety there. Uh-huh. Uh And and they were really and and they they mess around like their their cover three is very NFL ish, where like you don't know which guy is playing what zone necessarily, and you know sometimes they'll do you know that that motion that you always recognize for cover three, right? One safety coming down, one going right, high, totally. right? So they'll they'll have that guy come down and then zoom back up and take that deep third. Uh, and you're watching him come down. You think your guy is available, and you don't even realize that the cornerback who's been kind of playing outside leverage, boom, is right there. Um, so like they'll, that's what they do to deter you from doing it. They make it a little dangerous occasionally. Right. Uh, but that's so that they can run a defense that's you know generally weak in that spot. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it's – yeah, and so that's kind of where this matchup becomes fascinating, right? Is like the mm-hmm. in-game chess match between uh, the coordinators. I think is is going to determine a lot. I think that both teams will have good scripts coming out, and you know, I think both teams will have things on defense and looks that maybe are a little fresh or a little, you know, cause a little bit of confusion. And 
somewhere in there is probably a, pretty much a, a stalemate kind of on the first couple drives. I don't think anybody's going to do anything too crazy early on or try to mm -hmm. make a play. Like, I don't think anyone's going to put themselves in a situation where, you know, this is a coin flip play that could be a turnover on a halfback pass or a touchdown. I don't see that coming in the first quarter. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, no, I mean, but, they're, yeah. they're conservative. But I think both these are generally right. conservative teams. Totally, I mean, yeah. Michigan does not want to turn the ball over. Cade McNamara is one of the safest guys with the ball I've ever seen. And, you know, I, I know Stetson Bennett will fling it sometimes and maybe, maybe, maybe got away with a few in the, uh -huh. oh, yeah. but, uh, but, you know, that's a, the team is, is structured. I think Kirby smart, the way that he thinks is probably more like, you know, let's feel this out. Let's see who we got here. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's keep the safe play. And well, he's, he's, he's big stacked. I think in this game, like he's got the, he's got more, more talent than I think Michigan does. Yeah, and I, I think that, you know, the the thought pattern for Georgia always has to be we have a punter that's, you know, all-American good, and we have a mm -hmm. defense that's really, really good, and let's make somebody go drive 86 yards on us, you know? Um, and if we and get to a punt game. Times. <laughs> Does Michigan, Michigan not have a good punter? No, they do. They're, they're, okay. Michigan, uh, according to FEI, they're number one um, special teams team in the country. Wow, okay. So their, their punter is Brad Robbins. You know how like you got that feel from watching a lot of football where the punt goes up and you're like, okay, it's coming down now. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's another second or two with Brad Robbins punts. You're like, He's... that's coming down, coming down. <laughs> Read my book. Oh, there it is. Okay. Yeah, totally. <laughs> uh, and, and he pops them up, so he doesn't like to he doesn't like to give up returns. Um, but then a kick returner, he's kind of exciting. Um. Sometimes he's going to return it for 25 yards. He doesn't really get touchdowns, uh, nice. but he'll he'll do like a 25 yard return where you're like, how the heck did he? Do? Where where did he come from? Uh, and then he'll also drop it and go chasing after it, or catch it and run backwards a little bit because he thinks he can get around you. And I do not want him to. I really don't want him to try. I just want him fair catching because I know that like the backups on a Georgia team are like the five stars that aren't playing. <laughs> well, and they, they play a lot of starters on on punt coverage and, and great, yeah. Don't like don't well. try it. <laughs> just, I mean, just yeah, it. The, put they, that arm in the air and catch it. Yeah, and yeah. I mean that's a that's an area where um, you know they've been good with field goal block and punt block this year. So mm -hmm. you know, I in this game feels like there could be something like that involved for either team that really sort of starts kind of breaking the dam a little bit. But, I, I mean, I, I think this game will be one of those where uh, we get to halftime and it kind of feels, you know, it's it's within a possession or whatever, and then you get to the second half and everyone's going to see what happens, you know. And yeah. at that point, it's kind of all bets are off. Um, I would be surprised if, if either team just kind of came out and blew the other off the field. Um, I think that, you know, if that were to happen, there's probably a better chance that Georgia's the one doing it just because of the the athletes. But I don't think that's happening. Just the this Michigan team feels a little bit, uh, you know, kind of team of destiny, whatever you yeah, want to phrase they, it as. They're just they've been very resilient and different game states, at least in my estimation, don't really seem to throw them off. They kind of just continue doing their thing and don't mm -hmm. get too wrapped up in any one good or bad play. Um, so I think that they will be there for the duration. Yeah, they're, they've definitely changed fans' opinions on that because uh -huh. 
previously, even when Harbaugh was winning, his teams, if they got really punched in the mouth, sometimes that would cascade a lot, right? Like they they were really bad about following one bad thing with another. And mm-hmm. it's weird that this team doesn't do that, but you're right that they don't do that. Um, you know, the Nebraska game, I don't want to be one of those guys who complains about the refs all the time because there's plenty of that going around. Sure. But uh, there was a touchdown Nebraska got that kind of flipped the spe- the the whole game around because it was a they they had a guy lined up uh, in a legal formation. Michigan saw it. They threw the touchdown. Michigan was like, "That guy's illegal. That's not the guy's not allowed to catch a pass." And so yeah. they recovered him, and everyone's just waiting for the flag to come out, and the flag doesn't come out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was, and like Harbaugh sounds like, like some SEC refereeing. Yeah, yeah, we we've got some we've got some doozies too, especially in the when you out go out play out west. Um, but like that was. It, it was like that that moment normally would crush Harbaugh teams. And we've uh-huh. seen it happen so many times where like it was unfair. You're mad. It changed the game state from like, a, you know, we're up 14-3 to now we're up 14-10. And now it's a game. Right. And you're about to kick him off the field otherwise. And it's like right. it, it changed the whole feel of the game right before halftime, that kind of thing. And then Michigan just got the ball and went and scored. And, mm. you know, that game, the way it ended was, you know, Nebraska kind of made it good at the end. But Michigan probably did better against Nebraska than anybody. And I think on the road in that environment, it was a night game. Nebraska fans come out, you know, like that's. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the most underrated fan bases. I oh, think, it's a hostile sports. environment for sure. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, they're great people. I love Nebraska fans, but like they are. It's hard to play in front of them, right? No, like, yeah, they're, yeah, they're totally. Intense. Um, and so like that. That game state and then like the Ohio State game, uh, it's probably one of the most magical games, at, like with the snow and like everything on the oh, line, everything yeah. there. Yeah, uh, the Penn State game where they had to come back uh, in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, the Michigan State game where everything was going against them and you know they just could not buy a, a, a luck thing. And then you know they kept on coming back. They had an opportunity to win it at the end. Right. So I mean the. This team has that resilience, which normally I'd be like, okay, this is a team that's going to get down 14 to three to Georgia at halftime. And then they're going to come out and they're going to lose, you know, 41 to 10, right? That's the kind of team that we've been used to at Michigan right. for a long time. And the kind of team that they're all a little bit worried it's going to pop out again. Everyone, you know, like we know uh, the cornerback's a little weak. We know the linebackers can get taken advantage of. We know that the quarterback's got some limitations with his arm strength. We know that these things could happen to them again, right? Um, and we do feel like we're living in a little bit. We're, we're like, okay, if we lose this game, we beat Ohio State this year. This is a magical season, right? Like they're, right. they're getting these guys are getting remembered already, so they're kind of playing with house money. Yeah. But like, I don't see that happening with this team. I think this is the kind of team that could get down fourteen to three to Georgia in the first half, come back and score in their next drive, and from there. You know, it, it's it's a game, and it's a fist you know, fight, yeah, yeah. And if they put, they're the kind of team that can put a lot of pressure on you. That could be like make you play worse than you are, um, mm-hmm. especially late in games because these guys don't. Just, I I hate these intangible things, but like this team, they get behind Hutchinson and they get behind Haskins, and and those and guys, they feed. yeah, they feed off, yeah, of and those guys make plays that nobody should be making at the absolute. Uh, one time that they need to make it. And that's what's made this team so worth so much worth worth investing in when we right. were getting really good at B Pone at just stepping aside and being like, We're we're done. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Well, I'm not gonna, you know, it's the uh 
I mean, it's it's kind of the the joke. I think it's a it's a meme or a, a mm-hmm. gif at this point. But you know, it's the no doubt about it. I'm ready to I'm ready to hurt again. You know, yep. it's like that's <laughs> that's kind of what Georgia's team did to to Georgia fans all year. And then and then in the end, you know, against Alabama, there was the the painful shot that everyone I think knew was coming, but acted like it wasn't coming. Or I don't know. Uh, I, I can't speak for everyone there, but I, I think yeah. for you know, it, it is a very like. Georgia fans going into this game, I think that there's a large portion of them that are just so broken by that lost Alabama that, uh, you know, it's like I think that there's some that just expect Georgia's going to get blown off the field by Michigan. And I don't know if that's a product of just like self-care of like, mm-hmm. well, if it happens, then I've expected it. And so right. all good, <laughs> you know, I didn't get my hopes up or, you know, just kind of uh, – I, I need to see it to believe it, you know, whatever it might be. I, I think that, you know, we're, we could be in a situation, though, where we see one of the better CFP semifinal games that we've seen. Um, you know, Georgia and Oklahoma probably played the best CFP semifinal game that mm-hmm. that we've seen since we've had the four-team format. And so I, I'm excited. I think that, you know, the uh, Georgia fan base will travel well. I know the joke is, you know, I mean, like all the Michigan fans just have to go drive an hour or so from uh, right. <laughs> West, West Palm or wherever they are to go to the game in Miami. But um, they're not the I, ones who are coming, though. Like Michigan's emptying out. It's is like it? people. Yeah, this I mean, I don't want to say that Michigan fans are going to be a majority there because I know Georgia is a lot closer and Georgia has a lot of people live in Florida, too. And Georgia travels really well. Georgia I mean, travels well. And it's a intense intense fan base i have a lot of respect for how much georgia fans love their football team michigan fans just you know we haven't seen this before right this is this is new to us we are we're on a high right now and we we've wanted this for so long we've all made travel plans to go to these games for years thinking this is gonna happen to us and it's just yeah no i know and i mean I'll never forget. I think it was like the 1990, 1998 or ninety nine mm-hmm. Georgia Florida game, mm-hmm. and, you know, and we were in like the middle, uh, you know, of a long run. No, I'm sorry, it was two thousand ninety eight. They won, but Quincy Carter was the quarterback at Georgia, which there's a lot of stories from that time. But uh, uh-huh. they went up like seventeen to three, I think, on Florida late second quarter. Like he took an option keeper and went and. I'm in the living room with my dad and one of his good buddies that's a, a big UGA fan. And they're like, all right, we're booking tickets to Atlanta right now, you know? <laughs> and then like Florida comes out and wins like, mm-hmm. you know, 38, 17 or something like that. So yeah. your teams were just, Oh yeah. God, they were just yeah. deadly. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that like Georgia fans have been here for, and there is a little bit of a sense with Kirby of like, all right, dude, we've supported you. You know, we, uh, we stuck up for you and everyone, like lambasted you for how you handled Justin Fields and from and mm-hmm. all this stuff. And it's time for you to cash this in because like, you know, we're, we're at a point where you've got all the talent, you know, it's, it's hard to make an excuse and all that. But I think that deep down when everyone will kind of like get out of the, maybe the malaise that was caused by this Alabama loss, like this is an exciting you know, being in the college football playoff is exciting. This is the second time Georgia's gone, but you know, we've all we've heard for the last three or four years is Clemson, Ohio state, Alabama. You guys aren't part of that club. You Mm -hmm. guys aren't, you know, going to the CFP consistently, despite how you're recruiting. So, 
Um, there's a lot of excitement there, and, and I think it's going to be a, I think it's going to be a, a really fun matchup, man. Yeah, I I love that these two teams are finally meeting because like Michigan and George to me is college football, you know? Like, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and this has been kind of lacking because the you know Ohio State and Alabama are they really run kind of as professional teams and their, their fans mm-hmm. are so used to winning that like they, they have that entitlement now where like right. if they don't win, they're upset. And if they do win, it's just like, you know, I'm glad we took care of it. Right. And George has been recruiting just like Alabama and just like Ohio state, they get in the same quality of talent. Kirby smart is, you know, right up there with those coaches too. It's not like there's anything lacking about Georgia that, should keep them out of it it's just like you only play so many games per year right and like yeah you go and you, you play that alabama game and you lose to them that's it like that that kind of changed the whole scenario around right so yeah. i mean that's where michigan's been too like michigan's been good enough to beat ohio state in a lot of these years there's kind of a meta game that's been going on but michigan could have beaten them in 2017 and we didn't have a good team in 2017 we should have beaten them in 2016 right. You know, we we were in the game in 2015 until our quarterback got knocked out. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's not like this was a level of dominance that the final number that everyone focuses on. Uh, it the, the margins are a lot smaller. And that's oh yeah, the thing. like these are college football games. Like, you know, any Alabama can lose to any A and M any any given day, right? It, it right. happens. Alabama has never had a 15 and 0 season since we've had 15 games, right? Yep, I know. I made this yeah. on Twitter <laughs> yesterday and got like yelled at like from a bunch of people. Like, it doesn't matter. It's saving. It's like, well, no, yeah. it does matter because, like, you know, uh, losing a game usually is what improves a team the most. A, a really good team like that, mm-hmm. you know, it, it usually. Cause there were, there were indicators with Georgia for a very long time throughout the season of like this edge player that has been taken, that took the place of Adam Anderson, the guy that was uh, suspended for, for success, for like accused of sexual assault. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, that's been a problem since Adam Anderson went out of the lineup. Robert Beal is a nice player, but he was on campus for four years and never saw the field for a reason. Mm-hmm. You have a bunch of five-star athletes that are capable of doing a better job, but you haven't gone and played them because nothing has really made you go do it. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think that Alabama game, um, if anything, it it probably forces – the coaching staff's hand a little bit to say, okay, you know, this is, a problem, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and hopefully some of those changes get made. Uh, I expect that, you know, a, a couple of them at least will from a personnel standpoint, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to happen for Georgia, the way that they're recruiting, the, the, the way that team is built. I have a problem all the time with people who like get into this oh, stars don't matter kind of thing. Like who do yeah, you think? Of, sure. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we have, we have a lot of data that says otherwise. And, who do you think five stars are? Why do they five stars in the first place? These are the guys who cared so much about football. It's not just born talent. These guys are not just born that good, right? They've been putting yeah. the time in, and they were putting the time in when other kids were just doing high school. And that's why they are the top players in the country coming out of high school. That's why they show up to college more prepared. They don't have to spend as much time learning how to play football. They can actually go and like learn what their, what their team is doing so they can play earlier. They can be a bigger part of their team. Um, and it, not all of them, obviously, right? Like there's a high miss rate with recruiting because recruiting, especially the the, the, the coaches know more than the sites do, right? Like the, the sites are not the be yeah. all end all of what these players are. Right. So yeah, Georgia has put together a really good team of really good football players and guys who've been practicing football for a long time. 
They have all the things that you need, the monsters, the NFL prospects, the kids coming up, the talent that's been coming along during the season, that they can fix a lot of their problems that and don't have big gaping holes because they can, you know, if you can put a guy in there who can run, sometimes you can fix one problem, right? right? And then, like, you can fix his other issues because he can run. They don't have anybody who... Just is just an is just an absolute disaster out there, and a lot of teams right. do. This is college football, so Georgia's going to get there eventually. It could be this year, it could be next year. Like Michigan could be on an emotional high and and run through this thing, but then they could lose four games next year, right? Like this, totally. there's a there's a the same exact team. There's a lot of different outcomes, well within range of, of what it could be, and I think Alabama's been lucky to have the dominance over Georgia that they've had. They're probably more likely to have lost to Georgia than other teams that they haven't lost oh, to. Oh, yeah, totally. They yeah. So and people are going to create narratives. People need to fill it. We said this earlier, right? If you don't know something, you have to fill a vacuum. College football is inherently unknowable. Therefore, we all come up with takes to try to like fill in the gap and say, why right. does Georgia always lose to Alabama? It's just it's just luck man like just like some some days the guys don't have it and sometimes they're up playing as well sometimes they try something like sorry and keep interrupting you but like the no you you throw a new defense at them right maybe that worked what if that works and kirby smart's a genius because like you fixed it he he messed totally no no for sure yeah yeah 100 and you know i think that that's a that's a you know, the, the, at the end of the day, there's all the film and there's all the things that the people like you and I see when we spend 20, 25 hours watching, you know, going back and watching a season worth of film and all of that stuff. Yeah. And there's all these things that make sense. And then at the end of the day, uh, sometimes it's, you know, a misholding call or sometimes it's a right. holding <laughs> call on a big play. You know, it's, it's just, it's a, it's an unknowable game. And uh, the beauty in it is just that, is, is just that, right? Like, yeah. you know, we can sit here and dissect it all we want. And some weeks we might be close, but we're never, ever going to, you know, kind of nail the script and we're never, ever going to be able to predict how it's going to play out. But that's, that's the fun part of it. And, um, you know, yeah. and I think that's kind of a, a perfect spot to, to end this conversation. Uh, you know, if, if, any of you have uh, listened to all hour and 40 minutes of this conversation. I'm sorry that we took you all the way through this big roller coaster ride to end it at, <laughs> we don't know, I, but that's I the most honest it, answer, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah Michael totally. Elkon said that this is uh what did he say? That you were the, uh, the Seth Fisher of, uh, of, of George. And I'm like, don't let yeah. me call you that man. I, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a, that's a rambling football craze nut job that you're, uh, you're describing there. <laughs> that's about right. Right. Uh, you know, it, yep. it's, uh, and and we're all here to to have a good time, right? Um, you know, and I think that's and that's, the, that's that's the great about the, the this this matchup, man. Michigan fans are there to have are are so excited to be there. Georgia yeah. fans are got to be so excited to be there, right? They like are, we yeah. we have teams right now that we're gonna rem- we're gonna remember the names of these guys for years and talk about going to these games for years. And if it was Alabama and Clemson in this game, or Ohio it's State, just another game, yeah, yeah, no one no one would care. This is. This is right. This is good, man. And like we're, I'm glad we're talking. I'm glad there's another someone out there who you know is obsessed with it, who has to know, has to know what happened every single play in order right. to like, yes. understand every team. I need and answers. Like, I can't just yeah. accept that you know it, this was good or bad. I need to know why it was good or bad. Yeah, but we talked about like the the fan side of it and what it feels like to be a fan of these teams and like it's 
I mean, it feels it feels good to be a fan of these teams finally, man. Like this is yeah, this is our time now. Screw screw Bama fans and Ohio State fans and Clemson fans. Like it's it's our time. It's beautifully put. It's a properly emotionally charged college football matchup where, you know, it feels like there's a uh, both real enthusiasm and, and real stakes and real mm-hmm. potential for heartbreak. And the sport is just much better when that's the case. Um, yeah. Seth, tell everyone where they can find you uh, in the lead up to the game. You've, you've done a lot of really great work just that, that I've been able to go and look through and uh, Georgia fans should definitely go check it out. If, they want to know more about what Michigan does from a- yeah. Go to mgoblog.com. You know, there's mgo blue. We just call it mgo blog. Uh, that's that's where you find them. I'm I'm on Twitter at atmosopagon. I'm not even sure that's how you pronounce it. It's just, we all used to have internet names. <laughs> that was fine back in the day. Nice. <laughs> um, I was I was curious what the origin story was. It, on it's that. you can look. You can Google it. It, it means beard hater. Uh, <laughs> those of you watching the visual version of this can see that uh, that I clearly am not. Um, it was a reference to Emperor Julian, who's like the hipster emperor of Rome. <laughs> nice. Okay. Yeah. It's yeah. very Michigan man of you. It's I, lo- I love extremely it. It's, Michigan. I, yes. I literally got it from Michigan. It was like I originally got it because it was a classic course that I was taking at Michigan. I was like, oh, this is cool. I'm going to use that as my internet handle. And then we all signed up for Twitter. So I used that for my Twitter handle. And, and here I am, try, still not knowing how to pronounce it correctly. And I don't even bother trying a spelling. M-I-S-O-P-O-G-O-N. <laughs> I feel like we really got our money's worth today. This is awesome. Well, Seth, yeah. thank you for taking the time and joining us. Um, as always, you guys uh, check us out on uh, Twitter at DogSports underscore live, on YouTube at DogSports live, uh, and also on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you enjoy fine podcasts at DogSports live. Um my name is Graham Coffee. You can find me at Twitter at Dog Out West. Dog is obviously spelled properly with an A and W in all of these versions. And uh, yeah, Seth, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. And uh, excited to to see what happens here on New Year's Eve and excited to uh, read and consume your dissection of it afterwards as well. Thank you, Graham. And hopefully we both win. But since we can't both we'll go blue. <laughs> Hopefully, whoever wins beats Alabama. Yeah, that's right. That's, right. We'll let's call let's get a home and home schedule. Can we? Can we pressure our? I would love for home that. And home? Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. Georgia's been kind of doing that, so you know, I think that's yeah. it's definitely possible. Uh, maybe if, like, maybe Harbaugh and Kirby can work some stuff out in the pregame. You know, kind of like <laughs> Yeah, no, it's not happening. Is it? Oh, maybe uh, the ads can talk. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Thanks, thanks again, Graham. Absolutely. Thank you, Seth.